With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's John Brooks! It's John Brooks for the USA! Still a chance for Ryan Robin. It's Hello everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of today's Corner Kicks Premier League podcast with me, Sebastian Noren, Elliot Niblock, and Polly Quistel. My voice is not what it usually is. I'm a little bit um, on the uh, sick side. I had a cold, so I had to sit out last episode, but hopefully it will hold up. Otherwise, Elliot will have to read you some poetry or something. <laughs> but um, What, like Elliot and I can't talk? No. No, I mean, while I cough or something, you can just oh. read some short stories or haikus or something. Yeah, you, you guys are yeah. you guys are making me sit 15 feet away from my microphone as your attempt at keeping me quiet. Yeah, that's not my fault. You got to get your uh, your uh, gear in order there. I don't know There's, what's going on. No one knows what's going on. Yeah. Well, uh, we're on an international break here right now. Uh, we're going to kick things off by talking about everything that – or not everything, but a lot of the stuff that went down on transfer deadline day. It was a busy, busy day for a lot of the Premier League teams. Uh, we'll highlight some of the big stuff. Then we'll move on and um, talk a little bit about the Champions League. Uh, we had the draw here last week. Then we'll move in and talk about the U.S. men's national team. They're getting ready to take on St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Uh, we'll take a little look at the European World Cup qualifiers. Obviously, we'll shine a little light on England. And uh, who knows, maybe a couple of other teams as my Sweden will take on the Netherlands. But first and, and foremost... Was, and that was what's on tap. Yeah, exactly. So first and foremost... Sponsored by, we don't have a sponsor yet. Exactly. So if you know anyone, uh, send them our way. Um, yeah, trade or tra- trade deadline day. No, transfer deadline day. Uh, a lot of stuff happened. Uh, big one, David Luiz going back to Chelsea. Before from, we start with this, before yes. we start with this, can I throw a hot take out there? Okay. From an entertainment standpoint, mm-hmm. not a really exciting transfer deadline day. I thought it was pretty good. No, it was just. Like, moves happened. Like, yeah. okay. like, Isn't that the nature of deadline happened. day? Like, yeah, but I don't watch, like, transfer deadline day has no longer become about the moves that happen. It's become about the uh, made-for-TV event that Sky Sports has turned it into. And I don't watch, like, yesterday it was just, you know, there wasn't the exciting, there wasn't a lot of, um, like, rumors and wild reports out there. You know, there were no there were no players on helicopters, there were no... Uh, my brother saw this player in the airport. There were no wild rumors. There was no like, oh, we saw this guy try to sneak into this training facility. Uh, so that could happen. Everything was just like 
it was almost as if England actually created journalistic standards in their reporting and they only <laughs> report facts. Yeah. And like, that's not what I watched deadline day for. Like I could just read a recap at the end of the day. If that's yeah. all I'm going to get. I mean, there were still some weird things that happened. I know it's gotten a little bit worse since, you know, since they had that year where the fan stuck the dildo in oh, the yes. supporter's yes. ear and now they don't allow fans there anymore. So like, it's mm-hmm. just, yeah, I was just four guys talking all day. I was yeah. like, I thought during most of it. I know uh, Axel Witzel spent like 13 hours at Juventus' headquarters and then Sinnott pulled out of the deal. <laughs> um, so that could not have been fun for him. But uh, let's keep the focus on the Premier League, though. David Luiz, like I said, back to Chelsea after spending a couple of years at Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, reportedly unsettled in the French capital. As, you know, it's it's Marquinhos and Thiago Silva who's... You know, the first choice at center back at PSG nowadays. So I think it's a smart move by Luis to go back to Chelsea. You know, they have Gary Cahill. They have a very old John Terry. So there's... And Kurt Zuma still hurt. Yeah, and so there's every opportunity in the world for Luis to get a lot of playing time in. You know, it's funny because it reminds me of... Not that they necessarily could have signed Luis particularly, but... Like watching transfer deadline day come and go last year, and thinking, really, Mourinho, you you don't think you need another defender? Are you you sure about that? Because I think, oh you oh yeah you do oh you did oh you're canned. I just this is the difference between how clubs do business like this. Chelsea gets paid. Didn't they make like a twenty million pound profit on this? Uh, yeah, I think they made twenty million dollars. Oh okay. Yeah. They get paid $20 million to essentially send David Luiz on loan to PSG for two years. Meanwhile, up at, up north, you know, Manchester United essentially pays £89 million to send Paul Pogba on loan for four years. Uh, like, that's the difference when you have a, a director that pays, that overpays for everybody versus Chelsea who managed to swoop in and they'll spend money, but they'll buy you at a reasonable price. Mm. Otherwise, good signing. They need defenders. Yeah. John, you can't rely on John Terry all, all year. And Dumbo is a good player. Yeah, and another thing with Chelsea. Uh, they sent out Matmiazga to uh, Vitesse on loan. And in total, they sent out 11 players on loan on deadline day, bringing their overall total up to 38 players that they have out on loan. A record in a record, Premier. I was going to say, that doesn't sound like a lot for Chelsea. They usually 38 have like six, players is a lot. Well, usually yeah, have like, well, but that's their strategy. That's what they do. They snatch up all these 18-year-old kids and they send them out on loan in hopes that in hopes that either you become good enough to help us or you become good enough to help your other team that they're going to pay for you. That's, their, you, that's the way of business. And I mean, think, it's paid off with, for a lot of players. Yeah. I mean, there's some weird ones, like Juan Cuadrado. He's going to Juventus on a three-year loan. Three-year loan. loan. What the yes. heck? What is that about? That's that's so, Juventus. Not having any money left. Right. That's Juventus getting a great player for, three, for like, until he's – but what's going to happen is if he succeeds at Juventus, then you're going to – like, in three years, it's going to be time for him to be sold and to move on, and Juventus won't see that money. Either that or I don't know when his, his contract is up, but – Basically, after it's Juventus spent all that money on, yeah, they spent all that money on Iguain. They're like, "Hey, Chelsea, can we like pay you off three years right. <laughs> for a loan?" Um, 
Well, yeah, they sent out a bunch of players on loan. How do you think Miazga is going to fare at Vitesse? Will he play? Just play. I think Give so. Some games. Yeah. Just play games. I, I mean, imagine so. It's, you know, the Eredivisie is a good league, but I think he obviously has a much better chance of breaking into that squad than at Chelsea, even though we were just talking about how Chelsea were light on defenders prior to Dev Luiz. I mean, I don't know. I, uh, like, I, I just... I'm nervous about players being loaned to the Dutch league just thinking of Josie Altidore's fantastic stint with well, AZ that's, Alkmaar. That's the thing. Everybody scores in the Dutch league, so if he can play defense well, that's a good thing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. the Dutch league is not known for its defense, that's for sure. Then, Jack Wilshere, on loan to Bournemouth from Arsenal. Paulie. Since you uh, got your hot takes ready, Arsenal Weiss, <laughs> go ahead. Uh, here's my question to you. First of all, hilarious that, like, I saw this this morning about how times have changed in that, you know, AC Milan and Bournemouth are the two clubs in for Jack Wilshire, and he mm-hmm. chooses Bournemouth, which is I mean, absurd. He's an but, he's an English boy. He's what you know. We, we talked and, about and we, uh, English right. players not lo- being loaned out to other leagues. and not, I, I They're not being loaned out. They just don't even go there. And he had the chance to go to Italy, and, and he didn't, which would add a different element to his game. But, um, I mean, this we, we also talked about this back in May when he was named to the England squad. Like, you know, you're relying on Jack Wilshere to come back and be Jack Wilshere, and we don't know if that's ever going to happen because he's got this knee injury. And, I, and part of me thinks that uh, Arsenal knows or Arsenal thinks he's not going to ever become Jack Wilshere again. And that's why they're willing to send him out on loan in hopes that a full season of playing, maybe he'll be able to rediscover that form. But I think it's Arsenal admitting he cannot help them this year. Well, I think it's more that they need him to play to get back into form, and he's not going to get enough games at Arsenal. Yeah. So I think loaning him out to Bournemouth is a very smart move on their part. Well, if if you just want if you if you just want him to get match fitness and everything, you could play him as a sub for a bit, and you could play him in the reserves. And all of a sudden, once he's match fit, you throw him in, and he'll be either he he'll either be back to the player that he is, or he won't be. Yeah, but I mean, th- there's also a mental aspect of this. He's yes, not going to be sure. he so at Bournemouth. He's going to be like, here, here's the responsibility. Take it. You here's know, here's my question. Yes, to Elliot in in that is this going to be a situation where Jack Wilshere will be back on Arsenal next year, or is this going to be a situation where we're going to watch him this year and then next July on like a random Tuesday, very quietly, we're going to hear like. Bournemouth and Arsenal have agreed to sign board like Wilshire will sign with Bournemouth on a permanent basis for an undisclosed fee. I, I mean, it's it's impossible for me to predict because Wilshire is one of the hardest players to get a read on due to his you know chronic lack of fitness, and so I mean it's it's um, it's really hard for me to talk about Jack Wilshire's future because I've been talking about Jack Wilshire's future for five years. And that future is, you know, been constantly, you know, flashes of brilliance and then three steps backwards and then four steps forward and then six steps backwards. So I don't know. I mean, I think that this move has the the player 
rather than the club behind it. Right. I, I think that this yes. is Jack saying, I want first team football, not Arsenal saying we could stand to do without Jack Wilshere because we don't see him in the squad. I mean, Jack Wilshere has always been a player that Arsene Wenger has had a lot of time for, a lot of faith in. Remember when, as you two will remember fondly, I'm sure, when Robin Van Persie signed for Manchester United and Arsene Wenger gave Jack Wilshere the number 10 shirt. You know, even though that at that point he was all of 20 years old, right? Maybe he was 21, but... And he hadn't, and he was coming off a long injury spell. And this was, you know, Wenger's symbolic way of saying, I see you as the beating heart of this midfield. Now, the midfield also currently has Mesut Ertzel, which it did not then, which is a huge difference. But I, 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 can't, I can't tell you what Jack Wilshere's future is going to look like. I mean, I think that if this season is the, the way that all last four have gone, which is to say beautiful, brilliant play on occasion, derailed by injury, ultimately promising but disappointing, then yeah, I think that then he's going to be not an Arsenal player come this time a year from now. But if he, if by some miracle he manages to stay fit, then I still think that he has a future at Arsenal. Yeah. Jack what? Wilshere and, the- and Theo Walcott, both about to enter their sixth make or break year at Arsenal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. One player that li- did leave with his l- tail between his legs was Mario Balotelli. He left Liverpool to join Nice in France on a free transfer. Liverpool didn't, they just want to get rid of him. Yeah. And they did. Good for him. Yeah. That's a good way to waste 16 million pounds. Do you remember when he scored? And Balotelli and- was good. And well, yeah, but when he scored and lifted up his shirt and it said, "Why always me?" I no, like no, neither of us remember that. I don't know what game we're talking about. <laughs> God, I every time I, like ever happening. Yeah, but as his career derails oh, further and oh, further, over. I think oh, always over. about him with that shirt on and just like like going down to Nice and being booted out of Liverpool and just like frowny faced Balotelli with "Why always me" on underneath his overshirt. Yeah. I mean, nice, what you're talking about? Let's let's yeah. forget that happens. Yeah, nice, nice did a great job with Hatem Ben Arfa, who was shunned by Newcastle. Got you know revived at Nice, and now he's with Paris Saint Germain. So hopefully they can. Uh, well, they're hoping that they can do something similar with Balotelli here. But yeah, man, is his career taking a downturn? He scored two league goals in the last two seasons for Liverpool and AC Milan. Yeah. Jesus, if you yeah. if you aren't outscoring Radamel Falcao, something's wrong. Yes, yep. Uh, Manchester City, Balotelli's former club, they sent out a couple of players on loan, including Samir Nasri, who went to Sevilla, Wilfred Boney, that joined Stoke, and then Joe Hart going to Torino in Serie A. So Pep Guardiola obviously was not fond of Hart. He started Vili Caballero in front of him, and then he brought in Claudio Bravo from Barcelona, making Hart the third choice, essentially, at City. So he joins Torino on a season-long loan. Is Joe Hart not a better goalkeeper than a mid-table club in Serie A? He is. It's weird that nobody wanted him. That's weird. Yeah. Um, that was the weird part. The other part is 
first of all, Pep Guardiola doesn't like him because of his feet, which is ridiculous. Yes. Like, all right, bro. Like, but you know, <laughs> he's played ten years at the club. He's been a servant of the club, and and this is the way things go. I'm more concerned of like, is this a bubble that's going to happen eventually? Because we've seen. You know, good for Wilfred Bonney. He needed to get out of City. I don't know why he ever signed with City. Yeah, he was never going to play there, and he's now fourth choice striker. Go somewhere. Go to a mid-table club, and you'll score goals because uh, that's exactly the kind of striker you're. You're a better Jermaine Defoe. You know, you're never going to play for a good club, but you are a guy that will score a lot of goals for a mid-table club. Um. So good for him. Samir Nasri, you were never going to be in favor with them. They got to get rid of you. But we always see this with City. They did this with, uh, who was it, Yelovich? Was that the striker that they had? They've had a lot of them. Yeah. Right. Uh, they did it with Edin Dzeko. Is mm. They can't sell these guys. They keep signing new players because they need, like, that's City's thing. Is If they don't win the league, they need to sign new players because they need new shiny toys. And you can't sell your, you know, you could sell your fans on Aguero every year because Aguero's that good, but you can't sell your fans on another year of Edin Dzeko. You could sell your fans on a new Edin Dzeko, and that's <laughs> what they do. So they keep buying these guys, and they keep paying these guys. They'll pay anybody who has a really good year in the mm. Premier League, uh, which is why they signed Wilfred Bonney, and it's why they signed Rogue Santa Cruz way back when. Um but no one, then, then when they need to cut off all this dead weight because they keep bringing in new players, which is also why I don't understand why anybody chooses to go to City. Like, where's Fabian Delph? Is he ever going to play? Why did you go to City? There, if, if you get hurt at Manchester City, they will replace you the following year. So I don't understand why people sign there. But then they can't, they can't sell these guys because no one will match their wages, and it becomes an issue. And I feel like at a certain point, this is going to blow up in City's face. Yeah. Because they also, the only thing they could do is loan these guys out. So eventually they come back to City. How are you going to get rid of them? Where are these guys going to go? It's going to ruin their career because now the only place – because they it, it uh, hits their head that, the only, that they deserve all this money that City once thought that they deserved. So now the only option for them is if MLS wants you, you can go there or you can go to China, whereas a lot of these guys could contribute to top teams in Europe. Yes. They also send out uh, Mangalat on loan to Valencia, which I think is a smart move, actually, because he, he needs some playing time. And he just did not feel quite ready for the Premier, Premier League. Mm, what else? What else? Leicester. Champions Leicester. They signed uh, Islam Slimani, Algerian international from Sporting Lisbon. Um, broke their club record again. This summer, they brought, first they broke it when they brought in Musa, and now again with Slimani. Then they sent Gokan Inler to uh, Besiktas. The greatest trick Leicester ever pulled was convincing the world that they were a small club that had no money. Because they have tons of it. <laughs> and well, they, good for them. I mean, yeah, they do now. <laughs> they, they did. That, that billionaire owner... When they won the when they won the Premier League last year, that owner had already thrown over a hundred million pounds into the club. Um, they were ranked last year as the twenty fourth richest club in the world. Yeah, like the fact that they have the world thinking that they're a small club, good for them. They did what they had to do. They kept they held on to their players. They used the money that they got to to sign their players to new contracts. Good for them. And they went out and added depth and quality to the squad. 
Good for them. Now you just got to put it all together and start winning yep. games. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see how bad the injury to Kasper uh, Schmeichel is, too. He had to go off in the last game there. Um, yeah, and le- least but not – or, yeah, least last but not, but not least. least. Yes, exactly. Least but not last. Um, Hal Robson Canoe, he finally found a club, um, signing a two-year deal with West Bromwich. You know what I found really interesting and good for Hal Robson Canoe? You know what I found really interesting? What? A lot of these guys that had breakout tournaments at the Euros and everybody was like, people are going to come and these guys are going to get big contracts and teams are going to be snatching them up. And we heard about it all of July. And then no one went anywhere until yesterday when Robson Canoe finally gets a move and um, Sissoku finally gets a move. Yes, we should talk about Sissoku. Everybody wanted Ragnar Sigurdsson. Where's he? He didn't go anywhere. Yes, he did. Oh, he went to Fulham? Yes. That's all he. That's that was the only movie made to the championship he, side Fulham. He's thirty years old. I don't care. Thirty year old <laughs> defenders can help you. Yeah. If you no, need I, a defender, like if you need a defender, do you think like if uh, when when Everton lost John Stones, like Everton lost John Stones, they're playing him with Ashley Williams. Ashley Williams is significantly older. You know, yeah. if you need a defender now, you need a defender now. No, I mean I like Ragnar Sigurdsson. I wish he would have gone to a much bigger club, but. There was that Ukrainian guy. I forget his name. He plays like in Russia or something. Yarmolenko? Yeah. No. No? Uh, a Which different one? guy. A different guy. I'll look him up. Uh, Yarmolenko he... is good. He plays for Dynamo Kiev. Right. But he didn't move anywhere impressive. No. But he didn't have a great tournament. There was somebody else. Not a... I was going to say Ukraine in general did not have a very good tournament. Right. No, there was someone else who had a, who had a good tournament. Robbie Brady had a great tournament. Leicester was interested in him. Other teams were interested in him. He mm-hmm. didn't go anywhere. I, I found it interesting that all these guys, because you see it every year, World Cup, Euros, people have big tournaments, uh, and then they get big moves, and it just didn't really happen this year. Like, Renato yeah. Sanchez got a move, but that happened before the Euros. Yeah. Mm, that's true. Yeah, Sissoko. Let's, let's talk about Sissoko real quick. Eric Hamsik is not going to leave Napoli, ever. Why not? No. Go to a bigger club. Gokum Inler yeah. left Napoli to go to Leicester. Yeah. But Hamsik is a... Uh, <laughs> now he's on the I don't know. I feel like he's a part of the fabric at Napoli. Um, Someone should have paid money for him because that guy's quality. Yeah. Uh, Musa Sissoko, though. A Newcastle to Tottenham. He had a couple of great games at the Euros. Uh, Newcastle valued him just, yeah. They thought he was worth the world and the moon. They eventually got 30 million pounds from Tottenham. But not really. But not really. But not really. Turns out Newcastle hasn't paid Tottenham for Andros Townsend or uh, DeAndre Yedlin yet. (laughs) So, So. So Tottenham now just owes Newcastle 13 million. Okay. So you get Townsend, Yedlin, and 13 million pounds. For Sissoku, for that's a good deal for Tottenham. That's a, yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, we'll see if he can live up to the to the hype. But, I mean, it's more depth for Tottenham. I mean, the, he was good at the Euros. We'll see how he is. What are we talking about with my friend right now? Is They, they go too deep at striker they go too deep at the number 10 position they go too deep at each wing they have three holding midfielders they they got their job done and it's funny because 24 hours ago or even 20 hours ago uh all the Tottenham fans were ready to like kill Daniel Levy for <laughs> doing Daniel Levy things and 
And and Harry Redknapp said it best yesterday when he said, if if Newcastle are asking for thirty five million for Sissoko, uh, Daniel Levy's going to going to offer five. Mm-hmm. And, and my friend was yeah. going through the list of players that, you know, they could have gotten Griezmann for like twenty seven million a couple years ago, but they offered twenty four and wouldn't go above twenty four. And mm-hmm. they they could have gotten uh, Anthony Martial two years ago for like seventeen million. And it's yeah. like it's always they always get hung up on like. I'm like two million pounds, and I just I gotta tell, uh, I gotta tell Daniel Levy what I tell everybody else. Like, it's not your money. Just go out there and spend yeah. it. It's very yeah. Arsenal of Tottenham. <laughs> yep, yes. very, very. And they actually sold Ryan Mason too, who went to Hull, who finally got some players. Yes. So, yep, that's it for uh, deadline day. We'll be back with that stuff in January. Yay. Uh, Seth, so, you, lo- you love the transfer windows so much. Oh, I do. I do. I love the transfer window too, but I, I love the spectacle. First of all, deadline day is not as exciting when Josie Mourinho is your manager because you're not going to do anything. And it's less exciting when, you know, there's no airplanes, uh, car interviews, and helicopters involved. And dildos and ears. Yeah, well, yep. that, was a, that was a golden year. <laughs> Okay, let's move on. Champions League, the groups have been drawn. Uh, I'll just babble them off real quick here. Group A, PSG, Arsenal, Basel, Ludo Goretz from Bulgaria. Uh, Group B, Benfica, Napoli, Dinamo Kiev, Besiktas. Group C, Barcelona, Manchester City, Borussia Mönchengladbach, Celtic. Group D, Bayern Munich, Atletico Madrid, PSV Eindhoven, and Rostov. Group E, CSKA, Moscow, Leverkusen, Tottenham, and Monaco. Group F, Real Madrid, Borussia Dortmund, Sporting, and Legia from Poland. Group G, Leicester, Porto, Club Bruges, and FC Copenhagen. Group H is Juventus, Sevilla, Lyon, and Dinamo Zagreb. So we got some smaller teams in there. Um, Legia. I cannot wait until they give an automatic pass to the top four teams in the top four leagues, and we can get rid of all the freaking teams in pot D that are absolute garbage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, teams like Celtic. Really feel, <laughs> yeah. Teams like Celtic. Come on. Yeah. No Celtic is fun because their stadium is, they have a great stadium and a great atmosphere, but they suck. Uh, they're not going to beat any of these. They have a chance to get draws at home against, uh, Mönchengladbach and maybe City, but they're not winning. They're not going to get a point away from home, and they might. I think they might get one point total. Yeah, yeah, total, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, let's start with Group A though. Arsenal. How do you think they're going to fare against PSG, Basel, and Ludo Goretz? I mean, they're clearly the underdog against PSG. I would say even even the Zlatanless PSG. And oh, now the PSG's lost all their players. Yeah, I still I'm, PSG. I know, but like I'm, uh, I, I've got to I've got to put on my humble hat here a little bit, having struggled to get out of the group and then been knocked out in the first round of elimination play each of the last forever. <sighs> But, I, I mean, this is a good draw for Arsenal overall. Like, I think Basel is a good team. Um, you know, obviously, Arsene Wenger has kept his eye on them, considering that we just signed Granite Xhaka from them. Uh, mm. But I think Arsenal have a chance to win this group. Um, you know, PSG is not, as, as you said, not as strong as they were last year. But, like, they're not a toothless side. <laughs> I mean, they're still going to be favorites to win Ligue 1 by miles. 
Yeah, yeah, but that's because it's league on. Yes, like, I know. I know. I was I was just waiting for that like qualifier. If I if I ran a hundred yard dash with a bunch of twelve year olds, I'd still win. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> you'd never your own. Uh, well, I would. I definitely wouldn't because I can barely walk right now. So, well, when the draw happened, first of all, if if you were going to draw a big team, uh, like you know the the quote-unquote giants like Barcelona or Bayern Munich or Real Madrid and because you're Arsenal and you have that kind of karma you were going to yeah PSG is the best of the teams that you could have drawn yeah um, but, I mean Angel Di Maria at Cavani Lucas this draw, like, they've got goals in. yes but this draw looked a lot worse a week ago than it does now mm. Mm. yeah we'll see I can't say that I've seen too much of Ludogorets so I'm going <laughs> to assume that they finish bottom of the group. Yeah. I, th- I, th- I think Arsenal is going to actually take this one. I think they're going to win it's the group, just, like a point Arsenal, before PSG. I think Arsenal might get top of the group. They're easily going to they're easily going to advance, and they're not going to make it as as tricky as they did last year. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll end up having to play Dortmund in the first round because they will finish oh, second. No, you might get like Real Madrid. Real Madrid or something. Yeah. But Basel is the quintessential team that makes the group stage and drops to the Europa League. Like yeah. that's the, yeah, yeah. Basel does that all that Basel. They're from Switzerland and they pretty much play like Switzerland plays in all the major tournaments. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah they're, they're, they're they're a good side. They they're going to be without Brill and Bolo who joined Schalke, so they're a little bit weakened. But uh, we'll see how they fare. But yeah, I mean they're the they're the Swiss equivalent of Bayern Munich in that all the Swiss nationals go there because it's by far the biggest club in the Swiss mm-hmm. league. The truth is, of all the of all the English teams, only Man City got a tough draw. Let's uh, go over to that Group C there: Barcelona, Mönchengladbach, and Celtic, along with Manchester City. Yeah, Barcelona, obviously, a very tough opponent. Mönchengladbach as well. Celtic, meh. Um, but I mean, if they're not on their toes here, yeah, they could finish third. They could, but and I would have said and I would have said that a year ago because like a year a year ago, City really had not a lot of success in Europe, and they always seemed to struggle in the group stage. They always seemed to leave it late, and they they struggled last year. They like somehow pulled getting out of their group out of their ass last year, mm-hmm. and, and but then they made the semifinals. Yeah, so they they seem to have figured it out in Europe. Munch and Gladbach, same thing. Like you know, if this was the second half of last year, Munch and Gladbach, I would say they could maybe upset them. If it's the fir- if they play the way they did in the first half of last year, they have no shot. They were terrible at the first half, and they dropped out of the Champions League pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Celtic, it's going to be a lot of a lot of fun watching Barcelona and Manchester City go to Celtic Park, uh, and then the game's going to start. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, Barcelona. So, I mean, they, they have the toughest the group of all the English teams, but. If ever there was a year where England could get back on track and get four teams into the knockout round, it should be this year. Yeah. Although yeah. I'm I'm really interested to see what Tottenham does with their group. Because yes. on the one hand, I think that you could make an argument that they have perhaps, well, I don't know, that they no. or Leicester have the easiest draw. But I, I could see them, you know, losing away to... All three of those teams. I, I I would pick them to beat all of those teams at White Hart Lane, but like I would pick them to beat Monaco in Monaco, though. Yeah, I and get a draw against Moscow. In Moscow, no. 
We'll see. No. First of all, Moscow, like. Yes, Moscow. What? Don't they like not have fans anymore for Champions League games? Uh, There's always a risk to play that game in front of an empty stadium. Yeah. Oh. It's CSK, funny because they're it's, they're a good side though. They are, they are. But it's funny because Spurs ended up getting like the Europa League of draws yeah. when they finally made the Champions League. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's and, a fairly even group, yeah. I would say. Same it with is a Group B. Group, and their fans are already complaining about their schedule and how they have away games in the Champions League before games against like Chelsea and United. And it's like, dude, this is this called is Champions League football. Yeah. You yeah. play midweek against other teams. You have to travel outside of England because it's called Europe. Mm-hmm. And that's the price of being a good team. If you want to play in the Champions League, you don't have the right to complain. No. And it's not like they're going to, you know, Kazakhstan or something. They're going to Moscow. Where are we going this year? Where are we going? Far. We're going to Russia. Like yeah. some middle of nowhere Russia. Yep. In the middle of uh, December. Yes. We're not complaining about it. No, Ukraine, right? Are we going to Ukraine? Or are we going? I, I don't know. It's it's all it's all. We're not complaining because we're a good team. We're just going to go, probably Wait. send the U twenty ones, and just win those games, and then we'll come back to England and we'll win our Premier League games. Win win win. Uh, Group G: Leicester. They got Porto, Club Bruges, and Copenhagen. Uh, Porto. I mean, that's a really that's quality side. Bruges yeah. and Copenhagen, not so much. No, no I'm saying Porto's not a quality side. Hmm? What? No, I said Porto is a quality yeah, side. Right, a quality no, I said no one's saying that they're not. Yeah. No. But, but I, I feel like Leicester has a very good opportunity to go through to the knockout stage. Exactly. Very good opportunity. Yeah. Right. You're going to play one quality side, but I think it's ultimately going to be between you and Porto for top of the group. Mm-hmm. It'll come down to what you do in those two games against them, but they should be able to beat Club Bruges and Kobenhaven with that has letters that aren't even English in their name. Kobenhaven. Who knows? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, sound. A little strike O. Go Copenhagen, yep. one of the most expensive cities in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, it's a beautiful place. Beautiful, yeah, beautiful place. And they have a they have a decent team. It's just that they're not on the level of the other sides here. Oh yeah, the Danish league is. Uh, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Seb, didn't we discuss this? Like their fans, like they struck it gold. Like they're going to some beautiful cities. Mm-hmm. Fans. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, oh my yeah. god, that's a good point. Like Bruges, Copenhagen. <laughs> oh man. Ah. Yep. And yeah, Leicester. Leicester fans are going to be psyched for those away games. That's for sure. They are in Champions League. They are in Champions League, man. <laughs> yep. They were also they were looking forward to having like some of the big European teams show up to the the, the King Power Stadium. Yeah. Uh, I guess that was obviously never going to happen because they were in the same pot as like Barcelona and Real Madrid. But well, well, I get mean, to the knockout rounds and then you can draw Bayern Munich and have them play at the KP Stadium. Yep, or Real Madrid. Uh, it's going to be. You know, even though I don't think any of us think that Leicester are going to be able to successfully defend their title, it's going to be really fun to watch them play in the Champions League this year. Yeah. Uh, Is there any of the other groups that does not include English teams that you are looking forward to watching? The Bayern-Atletico matchup, I think, is going to be interesting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to just two matches, and Bayern-Atletico will be one, and Real Madrid and Dortmund is the other. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm going to watch all of that group anyway, because I'll be watching Dortmund. Yeah. 
No, I think I mean there's not really any group where I'm like, oh, because it's it's what do we got? Uh, eight, sixteen. It's twenty four teams and then eight crap teams. Like we gotta get make the Champions League great again and get those oh my God. top four teams from the top four leagues back. Once they redid this, once they redid the draw and made it so complicated and convoluted, and there's the winners bracket and the the league play bracket. Just to guarantee a bunch of small teams getting in, oh, it, the group stage just became so bad. You get the one good game in each group when the top two teams play each other and everything else, it's garbage. Mm, I feel like you're a bit harsh now. I think like I'm every... A I'm a bit harsh. Every, I can say that I'm looking forward to game. every game in group B, for example. Right. There's, but, but the point is that those teams don't have the name recognition. Like, there will be good games in Group B. Guess what? I'm not going to be able to see them. They're not going to be on TV. Aren't they broadcasting all games on online? Yeah. Fox has yeah, the rights. So right? I have to make an effort. But, like, the point is, you know. <laughs> oh, no. I have to turn on my computer. Uh, I want to see well, these for you, for you, it is For you, it is a hassle, though, because we all know your computer takes yeah. like <laughs> half an hour to start up. My computer can play videos? Yeah. Watch it on your phone. It's probably better. Uh, hey, that's golden age. We can watch soccer on our phones yeah, nowadays. That's true. We live in the future. <laughs> yep. Unbelievable. Yep. Okay, let's move on. And uh, the U.S. men's national team, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, this should be a demolition job. And if or it's not, am I then wrong? we're in trouble. <laughs> yes. it, all right, that's a bad attitude because it's not going to be a demolition job. Oh, okay. How confident are you about this game, Elliot? Um, not supremely, but fairly, fairly confident. I mean, I like clearly St. Vincent and the Grenadines are – the weakest team in this group. They've yet to take a single point. However, we're still playing it on the road, and we know that after that we have group-topping Trinidad coming up a few days later on Tuesday. So it's... Uh, I would I would not call it a gimme, but I also wouldn't you know have my jaw hit the floor if we hit four past them. On, that, on a bumpy, tiny... CONCACAF pitch with a CONCACAF ref? Uh, I guess that's a good point. It doesn't matter. This should be like when Australia were still playing in Oceania and they played like the Cook Islands or something. It should be, but here's the issue with this with this game. Uh, is um, we, we played Antigua and Barbuda four years ago in this exact situation. And Antigua and Barbuda, I would say, are probably at the same level and same size as St. Vincent and the Grenadines, and it took us until a two, uh, until injury time to pull out a win in that game. I don't think we're going to... like. Where are the goals coming from in this game? Because I have a feeling Quinsman is going to start the most veteran-heavy, non-creative starting 11 that you could possibly imagine, and that's going to be our undoing. So you think Altidore is getting to start? Yeah. They already named him captain, so he's oh definitely starting. Oof. They already said he's going to wear the armband. That's rough. So he's in... They'll probably start Bobby Wood next to him. Hey, he um, had a good game for Hamburg. Bobby Wood is tremendous. Yeah, Bobby, Bobby Wood's Wood great. great. But Bobby Wood should be starting next to Jordan Morris. Mm. Or he should be starting as the lone striker. He should not be starting next to Josie Altador, who everybody is going to say, he's great. He has, he has experience playing in these games. And you need experience playing in these crappy CONCACAF games. Josie Altador has played in 
15 home World Cup qualifiers, he scored 11 goals. So he could score at home against CONCACAF teams. We know that. He can't score against anybody else. He's played in 15 World Cup qualifiers away from home, and he has two goals. So he has a lot of experience playing in these games ineffectively. (laughs) Yeah, because I was going to say, before you raveled up those incredible stats, I was going to say, this is the type of game that he does like, and he does score in. Except he doesn't score outside. But it has to be at home. Yeah, it has to be at home. So He scored two goals against St. Vincent and the Grenadines when they played them at home. Mm -hmm. In the midfield, Kyle Beckerman's going to start. Uh, That's a given because Jermaine Jones, Michael Browley, they're not here. It's going to be Kyle Beckerman because for some reason— they were were both included in the squad, were they not? Yeah. Yes, Bradley is suspended. Jones is injured. He's already been sent back home. Uh, Bradley's suspended for the game, so he'll play against Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah. He can't play in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beckerman's going to play because, inexplicably, he left Perry Kitchen off the roster. I don't know why. He cl- Quinsman said it's because he got hurt, which he did back in July, and that he didn't recover from the injury in time, which is BS because Perry Kitchen's been playing all through the month of August. He's logged more competitive minutes than... Bobby Wood, Fabian Johnson, Christian Pulisic combined. Oh my God, so, Paulie, are you is are you are you you big upping the MLS here? Do I hear hear correctly? <laughs> Am I big upping it? <laughs> well, you're talking about competitive minutes and defining those as MLS play. So, well, yeah, but <laughs> well, per, wait, but Perry Kitchen isn't in the MLS. He's in Scotland. Oh, that's right. He left DC, didn't he? Yes, he plays um, for Hart. Heart of Midlothane. Oh, no Hearts. kidding. All right, I, uh, I take it back. Yep. Giassi Zardes is, is hurt, so that's actually a good thing. So he's going to be out of the lineup. It, the question is, is he going to actually give Kellen Acosta the, the rightful start at left back that he deserves and push Fabian Johnson up to the left wing where he should be playing? Or is he going to go with the same back four that he went with at the Copa America and start Fabian Johnson there and then – start Ali Bedoya and Graham Zuzi on the wings in the midfield. And I think that's what he's going to do. And I have this funny inkling that with that last central midfield spot, it's not going to go to Darlington Nagby. It's going to go to Sasha Question. Which and in which case... me crazy because he wasn't even on the initial roster. Exactly. And in that, if that's the case, where are the goals coming from? Yeah. And I actually, I have a lot of time for Sasha Question, but I... I don't think that he should be starting ahead of Darlington Nagby. I mean, I just uh, obviously I've got a lot of Nagby love for my do, club affiliation. If but. we're gonna go with the MLS thing, Sasha Question is having a far better season than Darlington Nagby. That's true, but also his team collectively has been as well. And I think that he's that's been, true. But that, and and you that. know what? I I don't rate Nagby as high as you because I've seen him when I've seen him. I admittedly I only see him play with the national team, but when I have seen him play, he has not moved the needle for me at all. And I know everyone's going to be calling for Christian Pulisic to play in this game, but he'll play, but he ain't going to start. Yeah, 80th minute substitution. Probably not smart to start him. Like, let's remember, he's still 17. He's got plenty of time ahead of him. When is his birthday? I think November. Okay. Yeah. So I feel like he's been 17 He has been 17 for a long time. (laughs) September 18th. Yeah, September. Look at that. Oh, look at that. Okay. He'll still be 17 in this game. October mm-hmm. will be a difference. Yeah. I'm calling for a demolition here. I'm going to go 5 nothing. Oh, wow. God, I, I go 2-1 at best, but that's only when we 
get Josie Altidore off the field and put in Jordan Morris, which I don't think that's going to – I think Altidore's going to play the 90 minutes in this, and that's going to be a problem. Bobby Wood hat trick. Uh, I'm going to go 3-1. From your lips to God's ears, Seb. Hmm? I would love nothing more than to see Kellen Acosta play in this game and see Fabian Johnson play on the wing and actually give the U.S. an attacking threat. But instead, it's going to be Zussi and Bedoya. Bedoya is going to miss a sitter. (laughs) Altidore is going to miss his chances because all he's going to do is hold up and everybody's going to rave about his hold-up play. And I'm just going to be like, look, if you had a good striker, you wouldn't like need – you know, you talk about someone's hold-up play – when they can't score. It's like in baseball, when they talk about how a catcher calls a really good game, that's because he can't hit. And you only talk about a striker's hold-up play if he can't score. No one talks about Sergio Aguero's hold-up play, whether he does it well or if he, or if he doesn't do it well, no one says he needs to improve it. No, because he scores a bunch of goals. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Okay, scoring prediction, Paulie. You said 2-1? to one? Yeah, I'll go 2-1. Okay. They should win this game, but it's going to be a lot closer than people think. And, I mean, you got to remember, our best center back, not playing. Our best midfielder, our quote-unquote best midfielder, not playing. Mm-hmm. Our actual best central midfielder, not playing. Um, our best striker, not playing. And our best outfield player, playing in a position that doesn't allow him to be our best outfield player. What? And who's in that? Brad Guzan's going to be in that. Okay. I know, but, you know, like, there's certain, like, pick your battles on this one. And yeah. I yeah. revised my prediction. Five to one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If Guzan in that, five to one. Yeah, that's, that's like clean sheet. No, not clean sheet. No, 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 no. no. Okay, let's move over to Europe and uh, talk England. They kick off things against Slovakia in the World Cup qualifiers here. And Sam Allardyce picked his first squad as England manager. Uh, Fraser Forster had to um, leave the squad due to injury. So, you know, everything points at Joe Hart starting in net for them. Um, Otherwise, I mean, it wasn't really that, you know, I wasn't really shocked at anything he did except maybe picking uh, Mikel Antonio from West Ham. Uh, It was more... Nothing that he did shocked me. No. But I don't think he got it right. I mean, if you look at the strikers, he selected three of them. Harry Kane, Daniel Sturridge, Jamie Vardy. I would have maybe left off Daniel Sturridge and picked Marcus Rashford. I know he was picked for the under-21s, but... Look, I mean, the Rashford news came out four days before the team did. And at the time, Rashford had yet to play for United this year. I understood it. Uh, mm-hmm. because let's be honest, he isn't going to start. So yeah, he's not going to start. So it's better to go and play one or two games with the U21s where he will. Uh, that's better for him than to sit on the bench and not play for England. But the truth of the matter is you can argue he should be the starter. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying he should be the long-term starter, but right now, Jamie Vardy is Jamie Vardy-ish. You know, he has yeah. two goals this year, but... Yeah, he's okay. Harry Kane has looked very, Harry very Kane has looked like crap. Yeah. He's picked up right where he left off in the Euros. Daniel Sturridge hasn't even been playing at striker, and he hasn't looked good. And Marcus Rashford, when he's played in the friendlies, has looked really good. And then came on, came on when uh came on on Saturday, 
and immediately changed that game in the 20 minutes that he was on, looked really dangerous, scores the winner, mm-hmm. and was pretty much the only player for England at the Euros who looked dangerous and who looked like and who actually showed up and played. And yeah. his reward is he gets dropped. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one... One selection that I do like in this team by Big Sam is the inclusion of Danny Drinkwater because he's a player who I was kind of surprised to not see make it to France. And because of Jack Wiltshire. Yeah, which is ridiculous. <laughs> which is, it, is, it is truly ridiculous. And but but it's, he, hard to, it's hard to hate it because every international manager has their favorite players that yeah. are just in the team no matter what. So for Roy Hodgson, it was Jack Wiltshire. For Jurgen Klinsmann, it's... It's Michael Orozco and Kyle Beckerman. Uh, it, I mean, that's just the, that's, you know, man, managers have their players. Like Marijuana Fellini was just always in the squad for United, and only yeah. Jose Mourinho has actually managed to turn him into a halfway decent player. Yeah. And that's because it's very easy to look really good when Paul Pogba is playing next to you. Yeah. I, just, I, I think that Drinkwater provides a lot, not just from kind of a holding perspective, but he can just spray such excellent passes from a deep-lying position in midfield, and that if you have players like Jamie Vardy or Theo Walcott on the wing, that he's a huge asset in sending balls over the top. There, This is a huge, huge game for England. Because Slovakia the other, is the other team in the group. You know, most groups have two teams, two good teams that you expect to finish 1-2. Slovakia is the other one with England. And it's the World Cup. Like, only the winner go- gets through, and the runner-up goes to the playoffs. And mm-hmm. what's going to decide that is, in this group are these two England-Slovakia games. And going into the Euros, this was a really good team playing really well. Coming at, Going into this game, this is how are they going to line up? Uh, how are you going to shove Wayne Rooney into this team somehow because you have to now because he's the captain still. Um, and more importantly, you know, nobody on this team is in any kind of good form except for Raheem Sterling. And is that the strategy? Like, you know, hope that the rest of the players figure it out while hopefully Raheem Sterling does it all by himself. I mean, I still feel like they should have quality enough to beat Slovakia. They should, but who's playing? Like, Eric Dyer's yeah. going to start. Uh, who else is playing? Is Rooney going to start as a midfielder? Is he going to start as number 10? Number if 10, probably. And then, does Ali play? Because uh, Ali's kind of garbage these days. You, mm-hmm. You're just going to... Are you going to go kind of like a 4-4-1-1 and yeah. play... And play... Um, uh, who did we just say as the number... Uh, Rooney behind Harry Kane? Yes. Uh, and then drink water next to Dyer, maybe? Or are you going to play Ali there? Are you going to play Jordan Henderson there? Um, out left, there's going to be Raheem Sterling. Who's going to start on the right? Are you going to stick Adam Milan out there? Because he's terrible. There's a lot of players that aren't playing well. And Mikel Antonio. Are you going to put, put Mikel Antonio in there? Are you going to put Drinkwater in there? Are you going to put the guys that weren't there in Europe? Because you have to make some sort of change from the team in Europe. And Elliot and I discussed this on Monday. If, if, if the England team was named three weeks ago, Raheem Sterling would not be on it. He's the only player that's actually really – he was the first guy that should have been dropped from the team after the Euros, and he is the only one that's really turned it around and having a great season now. The Tottenham players, they're still kind of crap. Uh, and Marcus Rashford was your best player at the Euros. He's not even on the team anymore. There's a lot of questions for this game, and it's a very big game. Mm-hmm. 
They, it's not like they get to open up against Luxembourg and figure it out for a game. Nope. No, that's true. I still think they have enough quality to pick up. Like, it's going to be a narrow one. Let's go. I one nothing. I don't know if they keep a clean sheet. Yeah. I mean, defensively, I don't really see any problem. You can not really go wrong with Danny Rose or Luke Shaw on the left-hand side. You got Walker on the right. He's okay. Or Klein. Uh, Walker's better than Klein. And then Cahill and Smalling in the middle. Well, Smalling hasn't been playing either. No, but he's been, you know, you got to nurse him back. Yeah. (laughs) Fine. Yeah. I, I mean, if I'm England, I'm, I, it's an away World Cup qualifier. Now, again, England are like the masters at qualifying for tournaments. Yes. With the exception of 2008. 2008. They pretty much, yeah. With the exception of 2008, they pretty much don't lose qualifiers. Mm-hmm. And they barely draw them either. But I think this one can go 1-1. I, just, I don't know where the goals are calling from for England. Yeah. Yeah. I, 1-1 it sounds right to me as well. Mm-hmm. So, is there any other games that you'll be watching during this international break from the European qualifiers? I'll let Elliot go first on this. From from Europe specifically? Yes. Um, well, I've, uh, yeah, I the, don't care about you watching some weird Asian qualifier between Vietnam and Thailand. Well, hey, Uruguay <laughs> plays Argentina later today, man. That's that was be literally the game I was about to bring up. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a good game. That's... And depending on how bored I am, I might actually watch the Guatemala yeah. qualifier um, to see if the U.S. gets in. I'm also interested in Norway-Germany on Sunday. Um, mm-hmm. And... And, you know, just also to see if they can kind of continue their run, see uh, Wales playing on Monday afternoon. Uh, but Without Aaron Ramsey. Yeah. yeah. Wales, should, Wales should qualify out of that group, but no Aaron Ramsey is going to hurt them because we saw how they just fell apart without him yeah. in the Euros yeah. semifinal. Yeah. I would say Monday you got also at that same time as the Wales game, you got Croatia taking on Turkey. Yeah, uh, Croatia, you're you're not in my good graces right now after <laughs> what you did at the Euros and yeah. failing to knock out Portugal. Yeah. And you got Kosovo's first ever uh, qualifier. They take on Finland. Oh, really? Yep. Tuesday, of course, my Sweden. They go up against the Netherlands. Uh, luckily for Sweden, uh, seems to be a lot of problem in the Dutch camp. Um they try to get Ruud Hulit on as an assistant manager after uh, Marco van Basten and uh, who else was it that left? I forgot who it was. Um, but he did, he's not coming on. It's said that if they lose this game to Sweden, Danny Blint is going to actually re- leave the national team as manager. So, I mean, Sweden has their own problems. No Slatan, uh, no Kim Shellstrom, no Pontus Vanblom, no Andres Isaksen. So it's a brand new looking squad here, really. Um, hopefully they can sort of channel what Iceland has done. Uh, they brought in Lars Lagerbeck. Uh, are they going? Are they going to? Are they going to go heavily into that into that talent pool that that won the Euro the U twenty ones a couple years ago? Uh, oh, you mean last summer? Yeah, I feel like that's the move now. Like, you have yeah. a new manager, you, you lost your talisman. It's like, all right, look, let's just get as many of these kids in the squad now and 
if we don't get it done this this two year cycle, like we'll go back, we'll they'll be ready for qualifying for the next Euro. I mean, if we look at, let's see if I can find the current squad here real quick. There we go. Um, yeah, Paul, okay. So from that under twenty one team, you got goalkeeper Patrick Colgan. He's probably not going to start. I think they're going to go with Robin Olsen, who plays for uh, Copenhagen. Um, at the back, you got Victor Lindelof Nielsen, Benfica, who's been really, really good. He was part of that squad. Um, you got uh, Ludwig Augustinsson. You got Emil Kraft, Philip Palander. So, yeah, there's a couple of young players that sort of that 22 to 23-year-old range. Uh, Emil Forsberg, you know, he, he did okay at the Euros. He's also 24 years old. Levicki was part of that team. He's 24 also, Oscar Hildemark. So, yeah, there are actually quite a few players here. Young Gudetti, is he going to be able to step up and take over the role of being the, you know, big physical striker goals, scores goals here now when Slotin is gone? I don't know. I mean, they also have Marcus Berg. Um, but, yeah, I, I would assume they go with Gudetti up front. And, uh, you know, he's he's done well since joining Celta Vigo, but... He's no Slatan. No, no one yeah. is. <laughs> As always, I'm going to be watching France again. We'll see if uh, Didier Deschamps can right the wrong and find a position for Paul Pogba to mm. let him do magical things on the field and maybe get the best out of uh, Anthony Martial. Will he even play Anthony Martial? And Griezmann and Dimitri Payet, who is hurt, so I guess he's not going to play. No, no, they they take on Belarus on the road. Yeah, like let's figure out a. They have a friendly against Italy today, also. So figure out a a a way to get to to give Pogba some freedom, and let him play. Also, apparently Anthony Martial is struggling this year because he's going through personal things at home, which I guess means he broke up with his girlfriend. Uh huh. But that's that's where my interest is. Let's see how France how France do. Let Pogba play right the wrong that, that you screwed up at at the um, at the Euros. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there's plenty of soccer to watch at least. Also, some, sure. some breaking news. My friend just sent me an article from The Standard in England that actually has the breakdown of of uh, how Tottenham are going to be paying for Musa Sissoko. Oh, okay. So, yes, even yes, by yesterday, like with two hours to go in the deadline, I was starting to think like maybe – you know, because, you know, Daniel Levy swindles teams at, at the deadline, signed Rafael Vandervaart for no money. He signed Hugo Lloris for eight million pounds. He signed Deli Ali for five million pounds. And it seems that Tottenham fans are just getting frustrated with his cheapness. We already, I already, we already discussed the Martial and the, and the Griezmann things. But he got himself a deal for Sissoku. It is a 30 million pound deal total. That's the price tag. Mm-hmm. That. For and Sissoku signed a five-year contract. Tottenham will be paying this in will be paying this six million a year. So six million for the five years will equal the thirty. Wow. Only for the years that Sissoku is with Tottenham. Hmm. So if he leaves Tottenham in three years, they only will they will only have paid them eighteen million. Wow. Weird. Huh. So that is a good deal for Tottenham. Yes. Especially if they sell him for a lot of money. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, what else is new here? Apparently, Samir Nasri claims that Guardiola wanted him to stay at Manchester City and fight for his place. Oh, okay. You wouldn't have gotten it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I, you know, like, I would like to have 27 guys that are also, like, amazing and fighting for their place. But you know what? Someone doesn't, someone ends up being fourth choice, and it would have been you, Samir. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good for you for moving. We'll see. We'll see if he comes back in form here. Apparently, he came back pretty overweight for uh, preseason because he was going to be fourth choice, and he's getting paid two hundred fifty thousand pounds a week. Yeah, but the thing is, was he just a little bit overweight, or was he egoing overweight? I don't know, but like, if I mean, would you be that motivated to stay in shape if you knew you were essentially going to get paid to watch soccer games all year? Yeah, <laughs> probably not. Nezri is just a little. I uh, I have no respect for that man. <laughs> Bring a bag of chips to the to the substitute substitution bench and just be like, mm. <laughs> bring an iPad, watch some Netflix. What do you wait? You think he's gonna be on the bench? He's not making the eighteen. Well, if he you're not even on the bench, it. then oof. when they were when they fully, I mean, he's he made it like last week, but then when they were fully stocked with. With Nolito and Leroy Sané, and um, when Gabriel Jesus gets there, like Samir Nasri on the bench, get out of here. Mm-hmm. Canabre. Yeah, then I would just stay at home. Yeah, well, no, I mean, I think you have to show up and sit in the director's box. Oh, well, I guess they have food there too. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> uh... some, some nice spread. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's not get. Yeah. Let's round it up here. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah. If we're talking we'll about Samir Nazri's weight yeah. and eating habits. Yes, exactly. We should we'll be, be talking about his ridiculous hair, but I think that's been talked to death. Yes, it surely has. Uh, yeah, things kick off on Sunday with San Marino taking on Azerbaijan. Don't miss that one. Uh, they kick off Friday afternoon with the U.S. down in St. Vincent the Nineties. Well, I meant the Euro Euro ones. Hi, yeah. we kicks off. Yep. Uh, yeah, make sure to watch all the soccer, and we'll be back after the weekend to discuss all the good things that happened, and hopefully U.S. got a win, and uh, Sweden didn't suck too bad against the Dutch. Until then, have a good one. Goodbye. You could not write a script like this! Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.